Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Simone de Rochefort, your normal moderator slash co-host, is um, off, uh, definitely not touching livestock in <laughs> Ireland. Uh, definitely, definitely not touching livestock. Those, those were some concerning photos, I have to say. They, they were both concerning, and they made me, like, filled with joy. So... See, that's, yeah, it's like it fills you with joy, but you also know if it ended up on the wrong Reddit board, it would be used for lascivious purposes. Um, 100%. Uh, it, and, and, and I might even be like one of those people who would, who would do bad things with those. But putting that aside, uh, Simone, Simone is, is, uh, is touching livestock, but uh, uh, Brianna and I am here. I'm joined by Brianna Wu, um, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, and I am Christina Warren, Senior uh, developer advocate at GitHub. See, this is what happens. I <laughs> you almost don't even know your own title. Okay, in fairness, in <laughs> fairness to me, Brianna, this is the week before Microsoft Build, and I'm I'm one of the co-hosts this year, and I've been Ooh. in, I've been in, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not joking. I've been in like 18 meetings, and it's Wednesday, and. Yeah, so my brain is a little fried. Can you tell us what's going to be announced? Can you? Can you? Do I mean, that? there's going to be a lot. Of, I can't do that. They won't let me do that. But what I've seen is very cool. Look, if you're, we've talked a lot about AI on this show, um, and and that is definitely going to be a big, big topic. So, the AIification of everything is is going to definitely be something you're going to want to tune in for. Okay, if we're going to get new Surface hardware, just send me a text after we're recording, and I will know not to go get that new iPad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I will definitely let you know. <laughs> um, so, um, all right. This week, we've got a couple of uh, things we want to talk about. First, we're going to be talking uh, a quick Elizabeth Holmes update. Oh, by the way, no sponsors this week because, you know, yay, the economy. So this week, our main sponsor is rocket-merch.com. Please buy your Scamtown t-shirts, your Rocket, the best, worst show on Relay FM shirts, uh, any any other like shirts that, that you see uh, there that you would like. This uh, helps us, um, uh, well, helps me potentially continue to make bad bets with Brianna. Uh, <laughs> also... If you would like to support our show um, and help us continue to do the things that we do, we do have an opportunity for you to listen to an ad-free show every week, not just this week, but we also have an additional bonus uh, um, segment um, known as our booster segment, an extra helping of dessert, and that is Rocket Booster. You can go to uh, relay.fm slash membership and you can sign up there. So we do appreciate that. Um, all right. And, and let's be honest, the dessert segment, that's what makes the show. It like, really you is. You can't have Rocket without dessert, and you're getting two helpings you're of it. You're getting two so. helpings of it, and and often sometimes extended interviews, other stuff. It's just it's more um, um, like ridiculousness. So first we're going to have a, a very brief update on the Elizabeth Holmes situation. Then we're going to talk – actually, we've got dessert first this week because we have to. Because A, it's dessert, and B, it's the biggest story of the week, and that is going to be the new Zelda game. Uh, then we're going to be talking about, hate to do it, but unfortunately we have to, we're going to be talking about um, the new CEO of Twitter and um, uh, what her chances of success are. And <laughs> then uh, we will be talking about the uh, the plans uh, both for and against AM radios in cars. So um, all around good episode. First, though, let's give a little bit of an Elizabeth Holmes update. So... <sighs> It now appears that Elizabeth Holmes will be reporting to prison 
as of May 30th, by May 30th, um, 2023, that is what the court has ruled. Um, her, her last minute, I guess, like a, a appeal um, a, and stay, um, the, the judge said basically no. And so she has until May 30th to turn herself in and report um, for, uh, for, for jail. So we're like two weeks away of Rihanna having oh, $500. I'm already spending my money. So I am thinking there's an ultra rare Lego set called the uh, the Knight's Castle, which is a throwback to the 80s. Do you remember the 80s Lego sets? Like, well, you don't because you are, you're you're uh, 29. But exactly. if you were older, you would know that there were uh, Knight's figures, uh, Legos in the 80s. And there's a, a, a like throwback set of it, but it's $400 and I would never spend that on myself but right. i think i can actually do it because this elizabeth holmes giving me and Aunt christina gave me a present and the justice system yeah no i mean i think you should do it i mean at this point this is like this is free money this is like money that has come very well earned after a bet made many many <laughs> many years ago i don't even know how many years ago we made the bet uh for people who are not familiar uh, many years ago, Brianna and I made a bet on this very podcast, um, uh, which where I have a history of making um, losing bets, I might add. Uh, I, I've exclusively lost bets uh, because of this podcast where I made a bet. Uh, she and I made a bet uh, for $500 that Elizabeth Holmes would not serve jail time because my belief was such that she would just never have to actually serve any any time. Um, and to be uh, fair, though, I feel like directionally over the course of this show, your cynicism has paid off a lot yes. more than my optimism. I think the difference was we just didn't put money on the right things. So no, I, mean, I think this is directionally, true. you're true. You're you're very right. I also feel like if I had made this bet 10 years ago, there's absolutely no way I would be paying money right now. But I think that there had been some like uh, societal and other changes for things. So, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, I don't even know if like, well, OK, look, in my in my view and I'm mad at her for this. She should have settled the, the whole thing should have been settled and not gone to trial. Regardless, Liz Holmes uh, will be reporting for jail. It looks like right now mm. on on uh, on May 30th. So we will continue to update. And as soon as she does. Report for jail. I will be Venmoing Brie $500 and she can buy that Lego set. I can't wait. All right. Moving on to the number one story of the week. This is <gasps> uh, the, the game to end all games. This is after it's been more than six years since um, um, uh, Breath of the Wild came out on the, the Switch, but it came out on the uh, Wii U before that, uh, the console that no one owned. I didn't even have that one. And I literally have every, I had a virtual boy. I literally have every Nintendo <laughs> console. I didn't have a Wii U. Uh, and I even went to the launch event and, and, and really tried to convince myself to be excited about it. And I was like, no. So this is seven ish years after, um, the, the, the last game was originally released. Um, oh and, uh, uh, tears of the kingdom. This is, it's been getting some of the best reviews I've ever seen in games. Um, I've personally already spent like and I don't have a lot of free time, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show. I've been spending way too much time on the game. Uh, Brie, let's talk about it. Look, and, and we're going to be clear. This is a spoiler-free um, uh, show. We're not going to be, like, just kind of give our, our, our general thoughts. We're not going to be spoiling I don't have anything to spoil because I've just been doing all the side quests. So yeah, I was I'm completely say. ignoring all the plot. Like, all I can tell you about is the systems, right? Like, I'm working on uncovering the map. Yeah, I was going to say, so what's, what's one of the notable things with this is that they've added like some new systems here, some building stuff or like the way I feel like, feel like it is, is they basically integrated Minecraft into yep. Zelda, um, which is incredibly satisfying and incredibly good. And, um, it works really well. 
um, the game, I have to say, like this is a, a six-year-old system that is running on, eh, let's let's be generous and call Mediocre. it eight. Yeah. Well, I was no, I was going to be generous and call it eight-year-old hardware. I really think it's ten-year-old yeah. hardware, but I was yep. I was going to be generous and call it eight-year-old hardware. So it's a six-year-old system running on eight-year-old hardware, uh, and and yet this this thing runs great. We've people have already been getting um, it working on emulators where it can run even better. Um, but even on the the main um, switch, uh, and I'm not even using that on a switch OLED. Uh, it looks great. Um, I'm very, very impressed that that they've managed to pull all of this off. I mean, it really helps that they they picked a very timeless art style. Like it's it's very cell shaded. It's a lot more um, you know adult than say Wind Waker was. But yeah, this isn't the kind of game where it's zerging you with like you know 10, 20 monsters attacking you at once. I mean, I think the most uh, enemies I've ever seen on screen is like you know six or seven at a time. So. It's it's really this kind of low poly uh, just world, but it's also very very high in detail around the world. So it it doesn't surprise me it can run it. Um, though I do hear over and over again from my friends that you know work on developing Switch games that they just they really wish they had more hardware there. They've been wanting a Switch Pro for a long time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we all do. And, and it's one of those weird things where Nintendo, um, I think at their most recent um, uh, kind of a, a investor thing, they basically uh, said, like, not, they're not working. I mean, they obviously have to be working on hardware, but they're like, yeah, it's don't don't expect anything for a while. So I want to talk about why this game is so good, because, I mean, I enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but I'm also going to be honest and say I was never really that much on the hype train uh, when it originally came out. I think I think part of the reason this game is so well received is, I mean, obviously it's the building systems. Uh, you know, Zelda had a lot of uh, physics systems built into it. Breath of the Wild did that yep. uh, you could really break it with speed running. This takes it one step further with a lot of basically Minecraft Lego pieces that you can um, put together and, and build things with uh, to solve puzzles uh, in a physics way. I'm, I'm going to limit the modules I talk about here to only talk about ones you see in early game. But a really good example is you can um, uh, fuse a flame, uh, like a flamethrower, to your shield. And every single time you pull out your shield, it's going to spew flames in front of you, right? So then maybe you want to build a car, right? Have flames shoot uh, off the side of it, because if you had the flames shoot forward, it's going to like fly backwards and catch all the wood on fire, and then everything is going to fall to pieces. I learned that the hard way. So, you know, on top of this uh, real world, um, th- this kind of open world uh, that you can explore, you've got this really, really, really good building system integrated with that. Um, I'm also not going to spoil it, but I will say this world is much, 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 much larger than the previous game uh, to the point where I'm kind of despairing finding enough hours to actually play through it and beat it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm having the same thing. I mean, A, like you said, I keep getting like, uh, you know, sidetracked on side quests um, and and, and side, you know, like like missions and stuff. And and, um, B, um, it's so much bigger than than the past game and, and you know which which I think was the biggest Zelda game ever that that it does actually take a long time to do things because there's so much to do and explore that it's one of those things where like 
yeah, like you, I'm because of my own time constraints, uh, because alas, I cannot just like take time off of everything to play Zelda. I wish I could. It, there's a lot to get through. Um, this is it, this is a great game. And I think that the the timing of this is right. This is this is the first direct sequel they've had since Majora's Mask, right? Um, to a Zelda game? Yeah. We had uh, one on the 3DS that was a sequel to the SNES game, but that didn't really count. That doesn't kill. really count. I, but, yeah. but, 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 yeah. I mean, but I mean in terms of consecutive releases, too. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Oh, wait. Uh, no, because you had, uh, after Skyward Sword, you had um, the one with Midna, uh, Twilight Princess. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Princess. To- to- Twilight yeah. Princess. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so it's the first direct sequel since Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, uh, it's um, yeah, the the reviews have been really good. The discourse has been funny. Um, one one article I do want to point out. This is a take that I do not agree with. I, I should add, but uh, uh, Barry Pachinski over at Defector wrote that everyone should be nicer to Koroks, and um, and I, <laughs> I, I I can't stand by this uh, because apparently people have been um, you know torturing them and doing things with them, and and which I support. I'm sorry, they auto generate and. And I, I I support this. They get in your way. I mean, they do get I'm in sorry. your way, and sometimes yeah. it's also just fun. And they're like, "Oh, please, just take me to meet my, my night with my friend." And then it's really <laughs> far away. And I'm like, "Look, I will help you out if I'm going the same way, but I'm not going to go out of my way for you. And if you're going to like, you know, like yell about it, um, as I as I texted to a friend, it's like I'm not supporting genocide. I'm just supporting fun. So. <laughs> I mean, they asked you for help, and they asked the wrong person. They basically. did. I mean, also, again, they regenerate, so it's like there's an infinite supply of these things. Also, and this was actually great. Somebody pointed this out in the, in the comments that in the last game, um, you know, all that happened if if you collected all 900 of them was that you got like a trophy that like was shaped like a like poop. So, you know what? That's a great point. And I didn't I didn't collect that many of them then, but like that's a great point that. <laughs> there was no payoff for, for doing all their little quests in the last game. So, yeah. So I think part of the reason everyone is having such a visceral reaction to this is it really feels like from a design point of view that this is, I don't know if you can say it's a response to Elden Ring, but it's certainly like from the Elden Ring, like school of game design. 100%. Um, I mean, I'm going to admit that despite all my friends that worked on uh, Horizon, uh, Forbidden West, and as much as I love, you know, Alloy as a, a character, um, I picked that game up and I tried to play it. And it's this, like, go to the waypoint, just walk mindlessly across this open world, defeat some enemies along the way, pick this up. Um, just this really dated approach to game design that just feels utterly unimportant after Elden Ring. Elden Ring works because you're just given a map to go explore. You have to really look around. You have to pay attention to your environment and solve the mysteries. This Zelda game is very, very, very much that same way. And you can get lost for like hour after hour just trying to get to a tower to activate it and just make your map uh, not be black anymore, right? Uh, The shrines are not pointed out to you. You have to like fly up in the air and look around uh, for something glowing and then mark it. And, you know, even then, if you didn't mark it correctly, it's not like it's giving you a waypoint that says, you know, 50 meters, 49. You just like see this point that you're trying to move to. So it's this new school of game design 
that says they're going to have people go in by hand and create these spaces for you to explore with intentionality. And everything there has a purpose. And then on top of that, there are systems within systems within systems that you can use to basically approach the world and unlock it. So it it really is, like the core of it, it, it's just this really, really engaging space to explore, understand, and unlock. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. Um, I did have a question because I think that's a great point about it. Uh, obvious, like kind of, well, it feels obvious, but the the influence of things like Elden Ring, you know, Elden Ring came out, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So for, and because time is awful, I was thinking it was a year ago and I was like, man, that doesn't seem like enough time to be influenced. <laughs> but now I'm thinking it probably was. I mean, this game has been in the works for a long time, but from your perspective, like how, how much work would that have been for them to retrofit or maybe adapt some of those um, mechanics that they saw in other games, because it does definitely feel of the time to to the point that I don't know, like, of course it's possible people could have independently come up with similar things, but it does definitely feel influenced by what we've seen. So from like your, your, your perspective, like how likely is it that they were able to like maybe go back and change or adjust things um, uh, based on, on what they saw in Elden Ring? I, I certainly think it's possible. I, I also think that, you know, Elden Ring was certainly influenced by Breath of the Wild, right? Sure. So it's kind of, uh, it's the cat, you know, it's eating its own tail, basically. Right. Um, did you see the the New York Times article uh, from, I think it was two weeks ago, um, that was like the big multimedia piece uh, looking at um, kind of like the history of Zelda? No. Okay, it's really, really good. So this is interesting. What's interesting about this game too, and and this is notable, I think, just from even the way we talk about games, it's interesting that here we are, you know, at this point, we are now almost 40 years after the Japanese release of um, uh, the the original NES. Like that'll be, I think, at the end of this year or something like that. And um, we still have mainstream publications approaching writing about games differently than you would many other things. And, and frankly, even attempts like the, the Washington Post recent attempt at having a games vertical, which which they had to, to shut down, um, has, you know, it's proven that a lot of these things have difficult um, times with this. But what is interesting is that, uh, so this was on May 4th, um, the New York Times put out this audiovisual uh, story called How the Legend of Zelda Changed the Game. And it is amazing. It is. Oh, is it good? I it's didn't really, see really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. And it's one of those things where there are a lot, bunch of things you can tap on or, or click that will bring up video and audio um, things to kind of uh, hyperlink to talk about things. And it's a really, really great kind of exhaustive and very interesting look at um, the, the, the game and kind of where it places itself in the culture. But what was, I think I even uh, skeeted about it on blue sky when it, this happened was that like, I got a, I got a, an in-app alert from the New York Times about the Zelda game. And I was like, okay, this is interesting that they actually sent an app alert about a video game, which I do not recall ever seeing. And then when I just, I went to try to find that article uh, so I could talk about it. And when I, I typed in Zelda New York Times, I got a bunch of results from the last uh, few days. Like they, you know, they've been doing a bunch of coverage on this game, which I think reinforces kind of what we were saying. Um, you know, like about kind of the with, with stylistically why this game is important. And then something says something, I think too, about just the, the enduring popularity and importance of this franchise. 
Yeah. It could also be, I don't know if you follow Mike Isaac on Twitter, but he's as addicted to this as the rest of us. So it could just be the New York Times that newsroom has a problem like the rest of us. Uh, no, totally, totally. <laughs> but even then, I'm just saying it's just it's really interesting because I'm seeing multiple bylines, right? Like the 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 story that I was talking about was written by Zachary Small and Rumsey Taylor. And let me see what divisions they're in. These are not uh, games reporters or entertainment reporters. Zachary Small Ooh. is a reporter who covers the dynamics of power and privilege in the art world. And wow. Rumsey Taylor is an assistant editor um, who is basically a visual designer and engineer. So you have an arts person doing it. Uh, Jason Bailey wrote another story. Um, I think that he is a, uh, a freelancer, um, but uh, writes some kind of general entertainment stores. And then um, Zachary Small, again, I guess he's just on the Zelda beat now, um, wrote like another kind of in-depth uh, thing uh, talking with the, the series producer about how they optimized uh, the location. So it's just, it's really interesting that seeing all of this stuff um, just really kind of everybody, this is definitely, everyone is obsessed. It's it's not just us. It's not just Mike Isaac. Like this is, yeah, this is pretty great. Yeah, I was in a, I was quoted pretty extensively in a, a New York Times piece uh, that came out on the new Final Fantasy that's about to come in. So yeah, I guess uh, maybe the New York times is just moving more into the video game journalism beat. I I'm glad to see it. I am too. Well, well, I guess my point would be, I think I wonder if it kind of suggests that, that maybe finally the way that we cover video games is becoming more like the way we've covered other things. It's always seemed odd to me that we've covered it almost in this separate way, the way we would cover other forms of art. Um, And, and you've had a lot of game journalism has really been very similar to trade uh, journalism, but you haven't had, um, you know, like, I, I don't know if the New Yorker has written anything about uh, Zelda. Uh, that would probably be the real test. I, the Atlantic has, I'm sure, but I think if the New Yorker did, then we know, okay, finally, after 40 years, we're, we're finally, like, at the place where people can accept that, yes, this is this is just as valid as any other form of, of art. It's finally happening as all of print journalism is just falling apart. <laughs> it's so totally. great timing. You totally. learned at the end, guys. <laughs> and, and actually, I'm wrong because The New Yorker in 2017 did do a whole thing about the dazzling reinvention of Zelda. And oh. that, was, that was tied to Breath of the Wild. So that was March 8th, 2017. That was in the print edition. So although that was from a contributing uh, writer, not from a staffer still. Um, all right. So, um, we're, I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this. I wish Simone was here so she could uh, let us know what some of her favorite things are, but we'll continue to talk more about this as uh, the weeks go on, as people, um, as people feel like they are okay to be spoiled and whatnot, but I'm really, uh, I'm really loving it. I just wish I had more time to play with it. hundred percent. All right. Moving on to our next story. This is all about, our least favorite topic, which is Twitter. Um, And so uh, I I didn't want to talk about this to be completely honest with you, but um, unfortunately it is, it is too uh, much of news. So last week, I believe that it was Thursday, Elon tweeted that a new CEO was going to be joining Twitter and, and mentioned that it was a she and, and that, that she would be taking over basically CEO duties and that he would just be in charge of, of product security and uh, engineering. Okay. So, <laughs> so he's, he's in charge of everything, but, but she's, she's going to basically be the, the, the fall person. And we'll talk about that. And then immediately it started leaking. Okay. Who is this person? And it turns out that it is, um, Linda, uh, Yaccarino 
uh, who is formerly with um, NBC Universal. Before that, she was at uh, Turner. And her whole history is in advertising. Like she literally ran advertising at NBC Universal. She was actually supposed to present at the NBC Upfronts, uh, which is the big annual advertising uh, um, uh, uh, presentation that happens in New York City in front of advertisers where uh, networks show off their slates of, of new shows and convince and razzle and dazzle advertisers and say, this is why you need to give us money. Um, difficult right now when the writer's strike is happening, but, you know, a uh, show must go on. And and go on it must have because she was supposed to be headlining that on Monday. And then because it started leaking out that she was going to be the new CEO – he had originally said she'll join us in about six weeks, but because no one can keep their mouth shut, it became clear that it was her. The Wall Street Journal, I think, was the first to report it, uh, although Kara Swisher had tweeted um, her thoughts first, um, that uh, she had to leave immediately. Um, I, I'm sure that they'd all been trying to, except for Elon, I'm sure they'd all been trying to negotiate like the normal way that this sort of exit works would be you finish your obligations, you come up with a succession plan, and then you you, you join, you have a week off, week or two off, and then, and then you join the new company. Um, but Elon decided to tweet rather than follow protocol. So she left um, as a Friday and uh, and was announced CEO um, basically immediately after. So interesting times. There's, there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of think pieces about what she um, could, could necessarily bring um, to, to the table um, or not, uh, uh, Fortune had um, an interesting article this weekend um, with, uh, uh, by um, uh, my protege, uh, Kylie um, um, Robison, who I wanted to get on the pod, but we're not able to this time, talking about, uh, she, she talked to a bunch of um, Linda's former directs and people who worked with her about, um, you know, their, their thoughts about how she can, um, what, what she can do uh, to, to the company. But, but I'm just curious... What was your, really what your opinion piece, is? By the way, I did a, a hit on a Sirius XM uh, on Monday talking about it. It was it was uh, really well done. I, I do have to say, I think overall, you know, I've read all the stories like Washington Post, and this isn't a, a dig at her, but I've I've been disappointed with the tone overall because I don't think it has been um, cynical enough about this. I think Musk got to where he is through uh, basically the tech industry, not really doing their due diligence and checking a lot of his fantastic claims. And it, it's really disappointing to see, you know, the Wall Street Journal go, oh, is she going to save Twitter? Is it going to be an adult in the room? Is this going to turn it around? And if you know anything about the way Elon Musk operates. He's very similar to Trump in the way that he surrounds himself with people that he knows are loyal to him. And if you think that she's going to be end up being anything but a mouthpiece for what he ultimately wants to do, like I, I would just posit you have not read that deeply into the history of Tesla and right. you know, SpaceX to a lesser extent, right? Um, I mean, how do you feel about it? Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I think my big thing is that no matter how competent she might be, and look, on, on the surface, this is a decision that if this had come six months ago where you're saying, mm -hmm. all right, the person he's bringing in is an advertising executive, I would go at that time, I would have said, okay, you know what? This right. makes some sense because clearly the way that Twitter makes money is from advertising. That When it was a public company, that's absolutely how it made money. And so having someone 
at the top who is um, familiar with that would would make sense to be like, okay, if we're trying to grow revenue, that would make sense. Now, I think you could argue um, what does that mean, you know, going from like a product focused, you know, CEO or engineering focused CEO to a, to a you know, um, business focused one. You, you can have those conversations, but that would at least, I, I could understand where you're going, um, um, where you're coming from from that. But in this perspective, like A, you know, it does kind of feel a bunch like CEO and name only, right? It feels like she's getting the worst parts of the job um, with, without necessarily having a lot of control because make no mistake, Elon Musk is going to still continue to run this company and he is going to continue to be the actual boss. It's not as if you know people keep saying, well, how can she rein him in? Well, the same way you people were asking, oh, how can people rein Trump in? They were expecting you know, the chief of staffs and other people to do that. You can't. You, right. you cannot. It is not possible. Um, and so uh, if he's going to be in charge of product security, engineering, all those things, he's still going to be making those decisions. And uh, but but on top of that, the product decisions he's already made and the, and the um, personnel decisions he's made in the last six months have made her job of trying to sell this product to advertisers significantly harder. I, I mentioned this on Twitter um, earlier this week because, you know, Twitter right now might they the you know concurrent users or whatever might be slightly up it it might be but it's basically flat but let's just even give it the benefit of the doubt and and uh, go with what Elon claims and say that it's slightly up if you look at the quality and if you look at like the you know the actual content of what is on Twitter versus six months ago and I'm not claiming that Twitter was ever any some perfect paradise of a place we we, we called it you know like uh, a hellscape for a reason but if if you compare the two. In my experience, it has gotten demonstrably worse, yep. and 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 just just in terms of, of of content, and and also that the tenor has changed. The types of people who are on Twitter are different, and I'm not saying that that necessarily. Uh, I'm not. I'm trying not to make like um, value judgments about about that, but I will say that when you look at high net worth, high celebrity, like, like, you know, the sorts of people that typically would get you to kind of tune in and, and, you know, would be the things that advertisers would want to go after. I think that that usage, which had already been in decline for years, has only declined further. Like he got rid of, you know, verified users, um, uh, unless you were a celebrity with like a certain number of follows, you know, introduced a kind of a scheme to try to get uh, businesses and organizations to pay for, for checks, uh, for, for gold checks, which people don't seem to be doing advertisers have come back, but they haven't come back the way they were before. And with advertising, like by his own accounts, you know, revenue is down uh, catastrophically uh, from where it was uh, before the acquisition. He values Twitter at half of of what he paid for it. Um, I think that it's probably much closer to being, you know, a quarter of that. That's actually something that someone in um, the fortune piece um, uh, mentions. Um, I don't know how you sell ads on this platform. I mean, um, earlier this week, just to give an anecdote, um, uh, ben Collins at, at NBC noticed because he was tipped off by someone that if you searched cat, the in- initial autocomplete was in a blender and what it would show you was that, which is horrific. Yeah. And these yeah. are things that, that, that it, from talking to engineers, he, he came up to the idea of, upon the idea that what's probably happened is that the code that used to prevent those sorts of things from surfacing were just pulled out. Um, and so the solution to that was to then just remove cat from autocomplete or from search at all. And and then to turn autocomplete off on certain queries, which is not a solution, but, but I'm just saying like, if I, if I'm a, you know, fortune 500 advertiser, if I'm a big brand, how am I supposed to want to put ads 
on a social network where if I type in cat, I'm not going to get cute cat photos, but I'm going to get animal mutilation. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. No, that, that's exactly right, Christy. And, you know, I, I'm trying very hard to talk about this without value judgments as well. I mean, I certainly, in my professional life, have to work with people that don't vote the same way I do, right? right. I'm an adult. It's not a big deal. I don't care about your politics, right, like to a certain degree. But I think that we're talking about this in the core of why is the Twitter user experience so bad right now, right? And it's not just the bots that are so bad. I mean, I must get about 50 messages a day from Asian like avatars in their 20s telling me they've got stock tips for me or want to meet me. Like it is really gross and weird. And that's everywhere. At the bottom of every single one of my tweets now is a password and a username for someone trying to scam you into logging into some site and getting some cryptocurrency, right? Um, you know, so I think you know, that's the bot problem. But, you know, the fact is Twitter's new CEO, she is a Republican. She does, judging from the Twitter account she follows, seem to have the same sense of humor and the same taste in politics as Elon does, which is her prerogative. But if you're looking for the direction of trust and safety, um, if you're looking for these policies to go back to anywhere what they used to be, that's not a reasonable thing to expect here. Um, I don't care how skilled she is with advertisers. This just is Twitter now. And, right. Um, you know, I think you'd be very foolish to to uh, to not understand that's the case. Right. And and I would say that even if she had a different opinion on those things, and I have a feeling that in that area she probably would. Right. Like she's she's conservative, but she's conservative more in the you know way that that I, I think she's 66. I think the way that that rich white women of a certain kind of ilk are conservative versus being kind of the, you know, like a mega, you know, like a red pilled sort of thing that, that, that Elon is. Um, so, but, but even if you thought that like, she might want to have more of a, like have different content policies, I don't think that a, he would let her let that happen because he's still overseeing product, but B, because he's cut so much of the staff, how are you going to add that back in? Like she would need, like, to me, the biggest you know, risk I would think of taking a job like this, if, if I were somebody who were being interviewed for it, putting aside, like, let's assume that you could actually run the company. My biggest thing would be like, okay, but are you going to fund this? Because if I look at Twitter right now, I look at a company yeah. that is like, okay, it needs actually, if you want it to become a moneymaker again and potentially, you know, turn around, you need to actually start investing money in it, not bleeding everything dry. So it doesn't need to maybe have as many people as it had at its peak. Maybe not, but like you would need to be making strategic investments. And that seems to be not the direction he's going in at all, not to mention the way everything was dismantled. So um, what is interesting is that everybody seems, you know, either blase or angry about this because she is on uh, the board of the World Economic Forum. And so, um, you know, Catcher 2 was very upset about that. Um, and, uh, so, you know, when you've lost cat turd too, you know, whatever, um, it, his, his fans will, will be sycophants regardless, but it will be interesting to see, you know, how much like this always happens when, um, these types of hires happen, like their friends come out and, and speak very highly of them to the press, are very excited. And, and I, I am not begrudging that, but, but it's always interesting to see, okay, but 
what will actually happen because yeah. in some cases people turn things around and are really good performers. And then in some cases, you know, they aren't able to do it for whatever reason. And, um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, just being really cynical here. I mean, Twitter is going to continue crashing and burning. I, I don't think it's going to turn around, but I think for her in the long run, this is a good move. I mean, she's going to be a, a, a woman CEO of a major company that everybody knows. All eyes are going to be on her. And no matter what happens with Twitter, like she's certainly going to walk away from this with a lot more money and a lot more uh, opportunities in the business world, right? So um, maybe, maybe. Do, do you not think so? I, I'm conflicted on it because on the one hand, she obviously gets that CEO title, which is huge. And yeah. what she clearly wanted, she had, she had been passed over at NBC is, is what some of the reporting said. Um, but on the other hand, I think this is sort of like joining the Trump administration, which is a thing that a lot That's of people fair. did. Where, yeah. where, 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 where contain you. So I, I think it depends on, on, you know, how long she stays in, on what happens under her watch. Um, I, I hope that she got paid up front. Like that would be the one thing with him is that I, w- I would demand a check and I would cash it immediately. I wouldn't be going on handshake anything with him because we know that he doesn't like to pay the bills. That'll be interesting too. She is not someone that strikes me who will be willing to not pay vendors. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Um, but- you know, actually now that I'm thinking about this, I haven't heard from Marissa Mayer in a long time. Right. And, you know, she, she's, Ellen well, Powell is a friend of mine, but, you know, like she didn't move on to a new CEO no. job after that you know, glass no, cliff. no, absolutely not. And Marissa is an yeah. interesting situation. She's a VC. She's kind of doing her own thing. She made a lot of money. I mean, she, I think, you know, has, has been, there was some interview with her fairly recently where she said, oh, we, sh- you know, we should have done this faster and basically yep. admitted that Tumblr was a mistake. We should but, have bought Netflix. She said that, yeah, didn't she? She yeah. did. And she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. Um, I don't think they were in a position to buy Netflix. I don't think Netflix was for sale, but, but that was uh, Hulu uh, probably would have been right. And um, because that was around that, that that was before uh, it was then Comcast and then later, you know, Fox, who took ownership stake. I think she probably could have bought Hulu. Um, and then they did have a partnership with them. So she she's not wrong about that, but she's, uh, what is she? She's not the CEO of, uh, of Sunshine, an artificial intelligence um, uh, company, I believe. Um, and um, so that's uh, not, not a bad kind of thing to be, but I think she's just kind of chilling, but you're right. Like it is very difficult to get past this glass cliff, but I think for me, it'd be like, all right, if you are somebody who was in this upper echelon of people and then you join this very risky company, I get what the risk calculus is, but it could be like the Trump administration where who's going to want to work with you again. Yeah, fair. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, This episode of Rocket is brought to you by rocket-merch.com. That is our merch shop. So you can go to rocket-merch.com. Um, please buy the uh, the, the Scam Town um, special Scam Edition shirt, which is um, the exact same thing as the regular Scam Town shirt, but it's ten dollars more because it's in black. That is our favorite. Um, we also have it available in red and in white, and we have shirts that say uh, "Rocket uh, uh, Best Worst Show on Relay FM." And um, yeah, so that that's who is uh, sponsoring us this week: Rocket-Merch.com. But you really want the Scamtown edition. You really shirt. do. I, we you really will talk do. to you in public if you don't have that on. But I'm just yeah, we saying, will, but, but we, like, we would we, think a lot more of you. We absolutely would. And look, you know, we have a rule, rocket rule, uh, where if, if we see you in public, if you're wearing any of our merch, we buy you drinks. And actually, at this point, I think it's just like if you say, hey, I listened to the pod, we'll <laughs> buy you a drink. 
Uh, but if you have like a scam town like edition shirt on, like two, we'll we'll really go out there. It'll be like two drinks, right? Like it might even be three. So I I will take you to the strip club. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Bree so. Bree will take you. Bree will take you to the club. Um, I, I I will. It depends on what type of wings they serve at at, at that establishment. Fair. If, fair. If, they, if they have good wings, then absolutely. So rocket merch dot com. All right, moving on to our uh, final topic, um, our reverse dessert. So this is, and this was one that you suggested, so I'm going to let you kind of lead talk about this a little bit, but there's been a lot of uh, talk about um, the the death, maybe, um, of, a, of AM radios on cars. Um, increasingly, um, um, EV vehicles are not uh, shipping with AM radios, um, both because I think of the fact that... <laughs> who listens to AM radio anymore. And also um, the fact that uh, people cite that there might be some interference between those radios and some of the electronic components in EVs. But the House this week, I think it was the House, like, uh, you know, um, uh, brought up a bill to basically try to force um, every car company to still include AM radios basically forever. Um, Bree, what's your take on this? Well, here we go. You know, uh, the, the tireless proponents of the, the free market, uh, came forward and they are trying to save an industry by basically requiring these car companies to, uh, continue carrying the AM radio. I was, I was really interested in this. I was, I was thinking that, um, you know, Ford who, you know, I associate with like good old boy, the best trucks in the business, you know, and increasingly some interesting EVs as well, um, you know, they are actually leading the way on not carrying the AM radio yep. anymore, according totally. to this audio, yep. uh, which uh, really surprised me. Here's what really kind of surprised me, though, Christina, because they were saying for them to argue in favor of it, few about 5% of people that drive Ford cars are using end them. up using it. Yep. And to me, that's a really, really big number, actually. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a political argument, like obviously like a lot of, you know, conservative talk radio happens on AM radio. But what a- well, I AM radio is yeah. dominated by conservative talk radio. Yeah, like like it, the, they, there is no nothing else on, on AM radio. A hundred percent. Right. But why would they enter themselves? Like if 5% of people are using it, like to me, it's like if they're if they've got to put in the antenna and all the parts for an FM radio anyway, why would you walk your company into a political s storm like about this? Like I don't know. It it just if you're getting rid of the radio altogether, I'd be there with you. But it just feels weird, and I don't understand that. Well, and and to be clear, it's not 5% of all car users. It's 5% of in-car listening is to AM stations. Right. So that is an even smaller percentage of right. of, of all your of all of your users. And and this is on internet connected vehicles. So where where they can do this data. I don't know. I feel like I have a feeling they say it's less than 5%. I have a feeling that the number is trending down. Sure. Um you know, it, it it most of most um, AM stations are also available um, in apps and in other things. Um, certainly, you know, most most shows are that way. So, I don't know. I mean, if if it's if it's adding a cost and if it's also then causing potential technical challenges, I completely understand 
um, why you might want to lock that off, especially with all the supply chain stuff that was going on where, you know, that, that could have been a, where at some points, you know, we know like last year, there were cars that weren't even shipping with, with in-car vehicle stuff because they couldn't get the chips. So I I don't, I don't know if if that could be related to any of this or not. I doubt it, but but they would have cited that, but I, I'm just saying like, we know that this stuff is, uh, has been difficult, but I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like I haven't, I haven't listened I can't even remember the last time I've even entertained the idea of, of like AM radio. Like our NPR station is, is even, you know, in like 90 something on FM. Right. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, might, it, it could just it be a generational thing. Bell went off there. I just completely lost interest. Like that was the only AM st- like radio show I cared about. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. He left and then um, he actually did like internet radio before he died. And, um, if we ever, if any listeners ever want us to have like a really weird booster segment on the bizarre world of the Art Bell fandom, oh, I um, love. Yes. I can actually, I can actually uh, do more research, like and concisely tell a story about that because, man, those 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 people are, wow, that is that's <laughs> one of the most fun um, subcultures I've ever lurked in. I remember when one of his listeners sent him a time machine and he kept it dragging out for months whether he was going to turn the time machine on. And then eventually he just copped out. He's like, oh, I just, I don't want to have that much power in the world. But it's totally a real thing. I'm like, okay, all right, Bell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Totally. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, but it is interesting. I mean, it was, it was, it was notable to me, though, was just how quickly Congress then gets involved and they're like, nope. Right. We, and it's a bipartisan bill. They're like, nope, they're they're going to have to, you know, this this is uh, backed by by uh, uh, Ed Markey and Ted Cruz. And they're like, no, 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 we got to have have AM radios in every car. And like, I don't know, do we? Like, like, I, like, 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 like take the politics of all of it aside. Like, is there any value of anything that's still happening? Like, on the one hand, I get it. Like, this is a public airwave thing that we pay for that has been part of our system. I get it. But like, do we really need this in, in every car? Like... So I I don't think so. I mean the the reason AM radio exists, right, is it's in a lower FCC um like qualification, right? So right. you have low power AM stations, it goes out farther, it's less clear. And I suppose in like an emergency, like where the internet is down, like it could conceivably be helpful. But the real advantage to it is it it, it requires less power and there's less oversight with it, right? Right. Like that's the real reason. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you have like broader spectrums. You can, you can get a lot more going on. Like when I, mm-hmm. you know, um, although again, FM has. Um, become remarkably more powerful there. Yeah, if they were getting rid of FM radios as well, like I would maybe have more, I would definitely have an issue, right? Yeah, because I think I that, that then that would actually be a safety thing. But like, I, I don't, at this point, I don't know what what arguments you can make. Like, and, and I hate to, to, to be this way, but I almost feel like if you're talking about, especially with EV cars, if you're talking about markets that are so rural, where the only way you could communicate in an emergency would not be over an FM band, but over an AM band. My right. next question for you is going to be, okay, so how far away is the nearest charging station for the car? Right. Right. Like, so, so I don't know. Um, but, but I, it's, I it's think interesting there's conversation. a issue here of look across the entire industry, like, uh, if you're looking at the high-end cars, like um, like Ferrari does not have very good in-dash entertainment stuff. Oh, like, yeah, no. This is just across the board, uniformly terrible 
for every single car manufacturer. Porsche is horrible. And this is why, like, I don't think I even use my, like, I just plug it in and do CarPlay and run it all off Absolutely. my phone. This is why CarPlay is a must-have for any car that I buy, right? And Absolutely. And the first thing I do when I get, like, a new classic Porsche is I put a, a PCCM in it that will work with, a, you know, CarPlay. Like, CarPlay is, that's not optional equipment to have in your car. No, it, unless you're GM, yeah. unless you're GM. Um, fair, fair. My, my point here is that because it's so uniformly bad across the board, I think there's like a development cost and like a button cost and a hardware cost yep. to like maintaining all this stuff. So oh, yeah. if they're going to cede it to just being your phone anyway... I think overall that's a smart direction for the industry to go into. I mean, am I wrong? No, I, I completely agree with you. And actually kind of, I think this brings up an interesting meta point too. Um, GM has announced they will be removing CarPlay from their EV um, uh, cars because they are wanting to generate uh, <laughs> between 20 and $25 billion in annual subscription service revenue by the end of the decade. Yeah, good luck with that, GM. And good so, so to do that, they are, they are saying, okay, we are going to get rid of a feature that universally people say is one of the main reasons they buy a car is if it has CarPlay. And, and when, you, when it comes to, to new car um, buyers, at least in the United States, the vast majority of new car buyers are iPhone users. Um, it, these things do tend to work demographically and socioeconomically that way. Um, and, and it is one of the leading um, features that the people will choose a car on. Uh, Ford knows this. Uh, Porsche even knows this. Actually, this is news as of today. Porsche is signing on to be the second EV maker to officially adopt EV routing in Apple Maps, meaning that Porsche uh, Taycan drivers can now use Apple Maps via CarPlay. Um, and um, and so uh, that that is news as of today. But GM is going in the opposite direction where they are going to be building their own system um, again, when we've seen the quality of the in-car infotainment and other stuff systems over the years, they're not good. That's not where these companies excelled. Tesla, for a long time, this was actually one of their selling points because they did actually have actual software engineers working on their systems. I think they've, you know, fallen off a little bit, but they still, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, they're better than, than most um, companies when it comes to that stuff. Um, but the real solution has been, as you mentioned, to adopt Android Auto or CarPlay, where you're just using the phone as the guts, which everyone has anyway. This allows the systems to be updated. Um, the cars can can work longer as long as they have those receivers. It works really well for them, can save them money. Um, but it also means they can't get this services revenue, which is what GM is wanting to do. And this is, it, it's sort of an interesting thing where you're looking at GM for their electric cars is like, okay, we're going to get rid of this stuff. But I guess- We'll still keep an we'll still keep an FM radio or an AM radio. I mean, it's just it's it's odd, but it does seem it does seem odd to me that you have kind of like these. Uh, but but I guess maybe not odd, but it is. I think all of this is trending in that same way, where everyone but GM is basically. I'm not going to say seeding like all the inner gut stuff to the the phone makers, but are just sort of the same way that um, most uh, car makers stop selling uh, or at least pushing, you know. GPS plans um, in their cars about a decade ago because everyone had a smartphone and Google Maps and it no longer made sense to get your, uh, you know, um, a TomTom CD-ROM that you then would have to go to the dealer to to upload so that your maps could, could, you know, be be out of date in two weeks when the the 
uh, <laughs> places in, in, in your city changed, right? Like it, yep. it, it, it just made more sense for those things to become um, offloaded to, to the phone. Um, but it's almost like, like, I can't even imagine buying it, buying a car without CarPlay. Like my mom has been on record, her Mercedes, it was, she, when she, it should have had it, but the model that she got for some reason didn't have it. We thought that it did. She's very frustrated about that. She's like, no, this is an absolute must have on her next car has to have CarPlay. And, and it's, it's so odd to me that the GM is just, I think shooting themselves in the foot on this. It's what happens when you have the accountants in charge and they're they're looking at the money they can make and they think they can talk people into it. It's just not it is just not the case, right? It's it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Weird decision. And uh, you know, uh, as far as the AM thing, um, I don't have a problem with they kill it, but I also don't think they should be surprised that they are in a political S storm. Oh, I totally uh, agree. Very unsurprising. So yeah, no, totally. I mean, that was the one thing that kind of, I guess, like caught me. I was like, who didn't think that this was going to grapple, you know, um, certain people's feathers? Because again, AM radio was dominated uh, by by one um, uh, political party and and one demographic. Um, bar none, um, RIP, uh, what was Air America? Um, yeah. they, they, they tried. Well, Air America failed for a lot of reasons. <laughs> oh, I know. There's, there, there's a great documentary on HBO about it at, at the time. I think it might be on YouTube somewhere, but, um, yeah, really? uh, we did get, yeah, yeah. The HBO did want, want to say 2007, 2008. I'll find it. I'll link it. Oh in the, my in the show God. Notes. Yeah. Please um, do. Uh, yeah, it, it was really good. Um, we did get racial Maddow out of it. So, and, yep. and we did, um, briefly have have a, a senator from um uh minnesota from it too so al franken fair enough Love so him. all right yeah me too i, I it's a shame that he he uh resigned when he did anyway but that's neither here nor there all right um all right that's gonna do it for us this week again uh thank you to rocket-merch.com for sponsoring this episode of rocket brie what are you up to uh, just working the 2024 election, got some big stuff going on. Uh, really exciting. All right. And um, I am uh, preparing for Microsoft Build, which is going to be in person. Yeah, it's also online. You can watch me um, online at uh, uh, buildupmicrosoft.com uh, next week. I'm so um, excited about this for you. That is yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm super stoked. Um, to, to, I'm uh, very, very honored that they invited me back. Um, to host, but I will be there in person. So if any of you listeners are going to be in Seattle at the Seattle Convention Center next week um, and you see me anywhere, please say hello. Um, I will find a way to to, to get you a drink of, of some sort if, if that's the case, but please, please do say hello. Uh, Brie, where can people find you online? I, just before I do that, I have to say, it was not that long ago, Christina, that you would watch these events and there would be zero women there. I certainly crit- criticized Apple for that. And to see you like headlining Microsoft Build, that is just like go and swear beat me here. That is <laughs> awesome. I'm so proud of you. It's <laughs> so Aww. cool. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Uh, where, you can where find can we me find online you? at uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter for the few times I tweet. Uh, but please get a Blue Sky code. Follow me over on Blue Sky where I'm just Brianna. All right. And you can find me film underscore girl on Twitter and Instagram film underscore girl, ugh, film underscore girl at Mastodon.social and film girl, all one word at bsky.social. <laughs> so, uh, or whatever that is, we'll have, we'll have the link in our show. She's got 
can you do cmac.health or a health thread bet and get in on that? I should, because you know, I do own cmac.com or cmac.me. CMAC. I have a bunch of, I might even have a .com. I have a bunch of cmac um, uh, domain names. So that's not a bad idea. All right. We'll, we'll have a listener uh, poll at some point about what, we and should. actually, I think we I should. about what, what I should name my, my various Blue Sky accounts. All right. Um, we're going to be joining you next. What is our booster segment on this week, uh, Bree? Uh, we're going to be talking about the new awesome feature from Apple that yes. will let you talk to it and create a clone of your voice that will then respond to stuff over FaceTime. I'm excited about this. All right. So we're going to be talking about Apple's new assistive technology features in the booster segment. If you want to hear that, this is going to be a fun topic. Um, please uh, go to relay.fm slash membership and you can uh, choose to subscribe to our show. Uh, it's $5 a month. You can also do it um, an annual pass by doing that. You're supporting us. You're helping keep us uh, going even when we don't have ads. You get every uh, show ad free and you get the booster segment. So you can go and learn more information there. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated.